G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Wrapping up the day's sporting issues deep into the night. This is Extra Time on SENZ. I'm gonna Seven o'clock. Welcome into SENZ. Mark Watson with you, filling in for Ricardo. Alongside of me, we have Ben Francis. Looking forward to having your company right through to 11 o'clock tonight. Telephone number is 0800 150 You can text us here on 8833. That telephone number 0800 150 811 or 811. Um, we're going to have hoop domestic or the National Basketball League in this country between 9 and 10, just to break things up. Looking forward to that. Um, Yeah, look, I've just come back from the United States, just had three weeks up in Birmingham, Alabama at the World Games. Um, World Games are basically uh, the Olympic Games for non-Olympic sports. If you want to become part of the Olympic program, you go through the World Games. I'll talk a little bit about that later. Ben, good evening. How are you? Very good, Water. I'm glad to have you back here tonight. I've been chomping at the bit, to be fair. There has been so much going on. I've got to say I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. And I'm going to explain why. And this is not about my ego. Um, This is a tough game, mate, where you get a lot of criticism and you get knocked a lot. I've been told a lot in my broadcasting career that I don't get it. Um, But I wrote an article and stuff. I wrote an article about four years ago for stuff that they ended up putting on the front page of the sports section in the Christchurch Press simply saying Hanson has too much power. My last line in that article was, the next administration will be cleaning this mess up. And really what I was pointing to in that article is everything that's happening right now. The house of cards has come crumbling down, and I feel somewhat vindicated by it. Um, And now, of course, everybody's now sort of jumping on the bandwagon. Um, Some, I think, have always been on the side of pessimism and others I think just simply jumping because it's the popular thing to do. I call them cowards wise after the fact Um, and I'm not going to name who they are. Um, Some are high profile media people who I don't actually have a lot of respect for. Um, But boy what an absolute and utter shambles and it still doesn't look like it's going to get resolved. The simple resolution Ben is you have to get rid of Ian Foster. You have to have a complete clean out. You have to bring in new selectors who need to come in with a fresh eye. It is really that simple. And I'm not sure why New Zealand rugby, with its incredible resource, still can't come to that conclusion. There is time to continue on the winning way, as the All Blacks historically do, and also win a Rugby World Cup. At the moment, we're not going to win the Rugby World Cup. We're not. I don't think we've got the players, and I don't think we've got the head coach or the leadership, and even the leadership at the highest level within New Zealand rugby, in my opinion. 
which means then it'll be eight years since we've run the Rugby World Cup. And you would have heard me say this a hundred times, Ben. So we won't have won the World Cup and we'll get another chance. You know, who's to say we're going to win it four years from now or five years from now? So, you know, suddenly we're going to go eight years without the World Cup. And what have we done in that period? Well, we've convinced everybody that the All Blacks are no longer about precision performance and no compromise. In fact, compromise is okay. Um, We've dumbed down the Super Rugby to the point where it's just an absolute joke now. And, And I want to address the issue about rest and rotation too because I'm still trying to work out how telling Bowden Barrett after he'd already missed so many weeks of this year's Super Rugby with concussion and injury, that then having another week off, how it actually benefited us. How does rest and rotation benefit this all-black team? How did rest and rotation benefit us in 2019? How did rest and rotation help us on the end of the year tour? It's just PowerPoint presentation bullshit. Excuse the language. That's what it is. I've had a guts full of it. So we've basically just killed every aspect of rugby. Club rugby's dead. Schoolboy rugby, oh, we'll rely heavily on that. And what's happened in there? Well, we've got one or two schools who are no longer systems, uh, are no longer um, facilities for education. They're just all about winning. I include St. Kennegan's Kings, and I'm going to say Hamilton Boys High School in Hamilton as well. You know, they have created an arms race. They've created monopolies. They're um, legally correct and morally corrupt, in my opinion. And through all of it, I think the instigators, the previous administration, in my opinion, uh, led by Steve Chu, should be held accountable for the current situation we're in. Uh, what do we do? Queen's Honour. Steve Hansen, who I think was complicit in what's happening now, in my opinion. What do we do? Lose the Rugby World Cup, lose a lot of tests in the build-up to that Rugby World Cup, we knight the guy. No accountability whatsoever. And it's the lack of accountability. People like me keep getting told, I don't know what I'm talking about. I hear it constantly. I hear it from Sky Television. I hear it all the time. Oh, you don't, you don't get it. No, I do get it. Trust me, I do get it. I'm the one guy who does get it. And it's incredibly frustrating because we don't need to be in this situation. You know, people are talking about Ian Foster falling on a sword. And I think if he loses the two tests in South Africa, he will go. I don't think he's got a choice. I think he's been given two tests and he will go. And if he can't fall on his own sword, then he's more arrogant than I thought. Because I actually think he's quite a nice guy. I don't actually have a personal issue with Ian Foster. I just don't think he's a head coach. I think he's very good in assistant role. I, I had some dealings with him years ago. Lovely guy. Good guy. That's not the issue here. Needs to move on. So we've taken Jason Ryan, Crusaders forward coach. There's now talk of Leon McDonald coming in later in the year. To me, big PR moves to try and appease the Cantabrians and eventually to try and appease the Blues community. No different than what John Hart did back in 1999 when John Hart lost five tests in a row to try and just calm everybody down and appease particularly the very vocal Cantabrians, they made Todd Blackadder captain. In my opinion, Blackadder wasn't good enough to be in the All Blacks, let alone be an All Black captain. And I think this is just Joe Schmidt, it's just all PR, it's all spin. 
They've been forced to do this. 0800-150-811 is the number. Uh, ben, I just also, I want to ask you this question, mate. So you lose two tests to Ireland, mate. The nation's mourning. Can I ask you this? Would you go out clubbing that night? Would you go out to a bar that night in public? I've never been to a club, so I think that answers that question. Oh, I just know from my sports, when you had a bad race or a bad day, um, you just didn't, you didn't want to be seen. And I bring this up because of the Justin Marshall situation. And I don't want to get into who's right and who's wrong there and what actually happened. The issue here is why the hell are the All Blacks out in a bar after just having lost to Ireland and losing the series for the first time? Can this All Black management and administration not read the room? Are they that clueless? Are they that clueless? You do not go out to a bar. You do not drink. You do not look like you're having a good time. A nation mourns and you think it's okay to go out and drink. Oh, we're allowed to take the edge off. It's been tough. Life is not tough for the All Blacks. You get paid a fortune. You play 80 minutes a week. You've got a players association behind you where the tail wags the dog who have told you how tough your life is. Your life is not tough. You're a bunch of prima donnas. The All Black brand was built by real men. Amateurs who worked full time, went out there. Excuse the language, piss blood for the jersey. People living on the street are doing it tough. Families in South Auckland working two, three jobs in a toothbrush factory just to put food on the table and pay for tickets to go and see rugby are doing it tough. And then, just to get an idea of how poor the All Blacks are at reading the room, social media yesterday, they're all getting $5,000 watches courtesy of their watch sponsor. $5,000 watches, here we go. Look, I know you need to leverage the sponsorship. Read the room, man. Not a good look. Do you actually care? It doesn't look like you do. It doesn't look like you do. Do we need to get everybody back on, back over to Turkey, back over to Gallipoli when we go to the end of the year tour again and just remind them of the sacrifices people have made for all of us, the ultimate sacrifice? Do we need to do that? And then, and then, I pick up the paper last night, the All Blacks are walking through Christchurch Airport, I think, or it was Wellington Airport, Christchurch Airport, no face masks on. Okay, now look, I've been guilty of that myself, but I'm not an all black. And when someone says, oh, mate, put a mask on, I put a mask on. I don't turn around to a member of the public and go, hey, chill out. Which was reported, which was what was reported. Chill out. I mean, how too cool for school, man. There is something fundamentally wrong with this all-black team. With their attitude. With the administration. You know, they want us to bring the violins out for them. You don't get it, though. You don't realise how hard it is, how physical it is, how gladiatorial it is. Try running 100 miles a week, see how long you last. 
Try swimming 50k a week in a swimming pool and see how long you last. And we as a nation are damn well embarrassed at the moment. We're embarrassed. We love our All Blacks. They're our team. And New Zealand rugby are just simply custodians. This is not a business, guys. This is escapism for a lot of people. All Blacks winning provide people an escape who do life pretty tough at times, but you don't seem to care. And then I pick up the paper today and there's possible talk about having to pay huge amounts of money to bring Nani Laumapi back. Forget him. He went overseas. The All Black jersey didn't mean much to him. Don't waste your time. Go and spend the damn money on keeping our top coaches here. Have a pathway for them so that we don't lose all of our intellectual property. Oh, 800 150811. Text come in. If I was Fozzie, I really would tell the New Zealand Rugby Union to get Razor on board. But can he? Together they beat the world. No, Foster goes. He doesn't. Look, the fact that Jason Ryan came out and said, oh, this, you know, I've got to go to work with this dented forward pack. How How come it's, Ryan can identify it like that, yet Ian Foster, who's been in charge of the All Blacks since 2020, can't. Isn't it? Isn't the evidence right there? That he's an assistant coach. He's not a head coach. Hi, Dean. Hello, Dean. Earth calling, Dean. Earth calling, Dean. Hello, Dean. Yeah, I'm here. Yeah, g'day, mate. You're on here. Oh, really? There was nothing coming out your end. But um, did I hear you right? Are they paying for Lionel or Lamarpi to come back from wherever he's playing? No, there's talk, and the Hurricanes and Wellington are possibly looking at getting him back. I'm not sure what his deal is. Um, I'm not sure what sort of... But, yeah, they sort of just talk about it. I just cannot understand why you'd bother. Mate, I'm, I'm with you. Like, we've had 27 years of Warriors crap, and we're not allowed to say anything because it's frowned upon. But Lamarpe, for me, when he's on his game, just like a carer, is outstanding. But when he, when Bowden went to fullback for the Blues and the Hurricanes played the Blues, Lamarpe played like the game of his life. And Bowden decided after that, there's no way I'm playing fullback ever again. And I don't blame him. I played there myself, and they, it hurts when blokes run into you like that. Poor old Terry Black was left on the try line. I remember he got sent five rows into the grandstand trying to stop him. But the very next week, he has the golden opportunity to absolutely pulverise Warren Crotty and cement the number 12 all-black jersey for as long as he wants it, like Ma'anonu, but he ain't no Ma'anonu, because that week he was pathetic. And the consequences of being pathetic, he broke his arm. 
Against the Blues, he could have ran through brick walls and he wouldn't have broken his arm. Yeah, look, That's uh, the problem with his own rugby. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, what I, I've said this before, I just get so frustrated that there's this always this call to try and keep our top players in this country. Oh, let's try and bring them back. Let's make sure that after 50-odd tests at the end of a World Cup, we keep them here. Let's throw another $300,000 at them a year to keep them here. You know, my answer is, man, if the romance of the all-black jersey is gone, if just being an all-black for half a million dollars a year is not enough, go. I'm not interested in you. I really really just don't care. I'd rather that money go on keeping our coaches here and providing a pathway for them. No wonder all of our guys like Chris Boyd and uh, the likes of Dave Rennie, they just had a gutsful of the way Hanson was running the show. I mean, look at what Steve Hanson did back in 2016 to our sevens team. I mean, they all say the players did a little bit of a U-turn on all of that. You know, suddenly they put their hand up to be go to the Olympics for the sevens. And then suddenly, oh, they all just miraculously had this little sort of U-turn. Yeah, look, there's a whole lot of different ways to discourage them from actually going to the Olympics. And just this sort of whole bully mentality that exists in New Zealand rugby. I'm just, Dean, I'm over it, mate. I'm over it. And something needs to change. And if Mark Robertson can't make a simple decision, then really you do have to question whether he is the right guy to be running New Zealand rugby. Well, there's not even a question there, mate. Like, it's obvious. Like, we're proud New Zealanders. And I don't know anyone, to be brutally honest, that would throw his selected right and left-hand men under the bus and stay there himself. Like, I just, that's so not New Zealand. Like, we're the public. Like, I pay to go to as many test matches in Dunedin as I can afford to go to. And there's heaps of issues with the game itself, i.e. the catering and whatnot. But that's not, that's not, I don't care about that, to be brutally honest. The writing has been on the wall with this New Zealand professional outfit since 2007. They mucked it up then, and now it's coming home to roost. We won in 2011 because the referee wouldn't blow his whistle. Hmm. But, but, yeah, the yeah, French yeah. were all over. Yeah. But we still took the trophy. Hmm. Yeah, hey, hey, look, Dean, I really appreciate you funding the programme. Uh, my frustration is just look at how much of New Zealand rugby has been put on hold. How much of New Zealand rugby has been compromised in the name of the All Blacks? If you're going to do that, you have to win. Because if you don't, you've got nothing left. And what have we got left? What have we got left? I, I mean, I reckon if you went around the streets, most people now and said, who holds the Ranfurly Shield? I don't think it would be an automatic answer anymore. People would go, Waikato Taranaki? Who does hold the Ranfurly Shield? Hawks Bay. I know they do. But I'm just saying, a lot of people wouldn't know that. Off the cuff like they once did. Compromised. You know? I mean, I saw an Auckland team come out in the Mitre 10 Cup, didn't hardly recognise any of the players. Hardly any of them. You know? Trial for Super Rugby. And, you know, a bit... Can you answer me this, Ben? And you know how frustrated I've been with this players, these All Blacks having these mandatory games where they have to stand down from Super Rugby. How did that help us against Ireland? How does this resting help us? Don't think it did. It doesn't. It's just a whole lot of PowerPoint presentation, sports science crap that's got that you put in the real world. You know, remember, scientists once told us the Earth was flat, mate. Well, I don't know the exact numbers, and so I, I'm not 100% sure, but Ireland were at the end of, like, a 13-month season. 
I don't, I don't see their, didn't see any of their players getting a, a rest. Yeah, and, and, and ironically, we used that as an excuse last year when we lost to France and Ireland about how long the year had been. Yep, exactly. Mm, real, real trouble. Does anyone honestly believe we're going to win tests in South Africa? I don't. I don't think we'll win either. I, I just don't think we've got the players either. I just don't. And that's what happens when you start compromising and slowly whittling away club rugby, Mitre 10 Cup and Super Rugby. Of course you're not going to get the quality of player coming through. Oh, pick them straight out of school, which seems to be the mentality. Oh, 800 150 Don't worry, someone's texting about Sean Johnson. I oh, Don't worry, this is a very much a night of doom and gloom. I'm hoping that... Uh, with the Commonwealth Games coming up, we can be a bit more positive. But, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. I, I've got plenty to say on the Warriors as well. I've got plenty to say on the Manly jersey. I'm not even going to hold back on those. But I, I, I'm just saddened, genuinely saddened by rugby. Who gives these guys the right to bastardise our game? Who would be dumb enough, dumb enough to let the players go out after that island second test or bar? As for the press conference debacle, have we got amateurs running the media with the New Zealand rugby? We'll cancel the press conference. We want to give Fozzie a bit of a break. Sorry, we've just lost... Two tests to the Irish for the first time in our history. This is the All Blacks. And then you want to cancel the media conference. This is them doing what they've done for the last 10 years, controlling the media. Look at Sky. Do they ever comment, say anything negative? John Koo is the only one that breaks ranks. They're just a PR lapdog agency for New Zealand rugby. If it wasn't for Chris Ratu asking some hard questions, they control the media. When I used to be on News Talk ZB, I'd put a request in to get Steve Chu on. Oh, no, he doesn't want to talk to you, Mark. I'd have to go back to the media person and say, well, if this is the issue, I'm going to get somebody on it. You might not like the narrative of that person. And almost basically had to blackmail them to get him on. You know, it reminds me a little bit, and I don't want to get too political here because I know people sit both on the left and the right, but it's not a lot different to what we've seen from the Ardern government at the moment. Let's control the message. I, I had a... a, a oh, look, I'll take a break. I'll take a break. And look, I'm, I'm only just, just starting to wind up too, by the way. Um, there's a lot to go. Bear with me. But I want you to be part of the show. I, I, I don't want to do the talk. And I'm, ben, I'm going to get him to come in a lot more. I just, yeah. Um, you guys, I, I feel like I'm in a, I feel like I'm in therapy at the moment. So I appreciate you allowing me to get it off my chest, okay? So you guys are my psychiatrist tonight, psychologist. So I appreciate that. Um, but I need some feedback. I need this to be a two-way thing. I know it's been done to death. I, I bring a slightly different spin to things. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I see we've got John there from Taranaki on the line. 
You are listening to SENZ, telephone number 0800 150 We are taking your calls. Mark Watson with you through to 11. We'll be having hoop heads between 9 and 10. Ben Francis alongside of me as well. We'll be bringing Bren, uh, Ben into the programme very short, shortly. Uh, John, Irish John joins us from Taranaki. Hi, John. Hi, Mark. How are we doing? I'm good, thank you. How I are think, you? I just came on late there. Sorry about the, um, the conversation there, but I think I think the most... You don't have. I think the ends that are you rugby fans. Have, I think yes, you have to worry about friends. But I think, I think the ends that are you are more dangerous to, to the All Blacks. Oh look, yeah, I, I say head head rots, a fish head rots from the head down. I, I mean, the fact that they can't come to the logical conclusion at the moment that Ian Foster needs to move on, and that a new coaching group needs to come in, new group of selectors need to run their eye over New Zealand rugby. The fact that they cannot come to that conclusion. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely, it confirms what you're saying. Yeah, there's no um, there's no accountability. They can't admit mistakes um, when they when they stuff up, really. And well, 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 I think George Smith. I think George Smith will be there eventually. Them. I think they had, I think they had him lined up going way back. I think Foster just wasn't in the like wasn't in the running, really. Well, they, they, no, I what happened was when they always wanted Ian Foster to get the job, and so when they actually approached guys like Joe Schmidt, Joe Schmidt had already made commitments and therefore was never going to be part of it. So what they actually just wanted to do was look like they'd spread the net far and wide, but the reality was they gave everybody such late, no, such late notice it was never, ever going to happen. I, I mean, you, you know, you've only got to go back. You've only got to go back to when it was only a few years ago that Scott Robertson actually came out in the media after he'd been interviewed for the All Black job and said he felt he had been ambushed by Sir Graham Henry. He felt the whole yes, time the job was always going to be Ian Foster's. Yeah. That right there, yeah. that right there sums up this cloak and dagger mentality that exists still within this old boys network. As for the board, the board have actually got to stop looking at just the bottom line. They've actually got to look holistically. They've actually got to look at what's in the best interests of the game. And there are a lot of tangible intangibles that you can't put necessarily a monetary value on that they just seem to dismiss. Yes, yeah, spot on. And, and and you wouldn't blame Foster, or Foster Robertson for leaving after being uh, ambushed, like you said. Why why wouldn't he leave? And and I, I heard as well that it could be himself and O'Gara over the Irish team. I don't know the the room, but there's rumours. No, a, they're going to coach the they're going to coach the Barbarians, which is a bit of a you know boys boys week yeah. for the Barbarians. But yeah. look, uh, going back to my other point though, you know, you look at over the years the wonderful coaches that we've just let go overseas and haven't even really contacted them, haven't really sort of done anything to try and keep them here. Now, you do have to look at the foundations and the platforms that Joe Schmidt put in place for the rise of Irish rugby. Now, look, admittedly, um, uh, who's it, Farrell and stuff at the moment, Andy Farrell, those guys have taken it to that next level. But it was a New Zealander who basically brought the IP, put it in place, and it comes back to bite us. Yet we still believe, we still believe that losing a player like uh, Sam Kane overseas, as an example, if Sam Kane was to go tomorrow, oh, we can't let him go, let's just write the check out, we've got to keep him here, we need his experience. That's the mentality we've been dealing with. My mentality is let him go, mate. There's always somebody else. Just let him go. Who cares? Yeah. Keep the coaches yeah. here. Well, that's it. But but uh, I don't know. It's uh, certain coaches, though, as you know, down to the years, it, they don't fit into the mould of the end that are you. It's, it's like when they're walking through those doors, if you don't hold a line, if you're different or something, you're, you, don't, you won't have you. 
No, I agree. I mean, you know, and that's both clubs. Yeah, Yeah. that's Scotty Robertson. Is he too quirky for them? Well, he seems to get the job done. I like quirky. Quirky's about innovation. Quirky's about taking the game forward. Quirky's about different. It's about writing. It's about writing a book. Everybody else is going to end up reading rather than reading the book. And who are these um, NZRU? Like who? Like who? Like who? Who are like? There's no accountability. That's the problem. No, but even the kind. but but even the board members, half of them are just political appointments, you know. In this political environment, we've got to make sure that we've got the right balance of gender and everything else on it at the moment. And then, you know, all of this thing, rather than just getting the best people, I don't care whether the entire board is women, or the board is fifty percent women, fifty percent men. I don't care whether the board's entirely Chinese or entirely Polynesian. I just want the best damn people running the game. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get rid of all that. Let's get rid of all that identity politics crap. Let's just get the best people. Yeah, and keep up, keep up the good work because you, you're putting the asset in the spotlight on them all the time. Yeah, you have to do it. Hey, thanks, John. I appreciate you. All right, buddy. Love, love to have you on the program. Well done. Thank you. Uh, text that's come in, mate. Love your passion. Tell me, why don't the unions band together and throw out current New Zealand Rugby Union board as they hold the power? If not. Um, if not for unions and grassroots, no All Blacks. We also need to look at a panel who selected Foster. Seems jobs for the boys. Look, the p- part of the problem is there's just this people at the top of the domestic game here. They've got political ambitions as well. This is this is just all sort of interwoven. This is really um, what's the word? It's um, um, what's that word I'm looking for? It's, it's almost incestuous. You know, you, you go back to what, uh, Ben. What's the rugby deal that we've just signed for two hundred and ten million? Well, Silver Lake, Silver Lake deal, right? I'll give you give you an idea of how the players run the game here. The tail wags the dog. The players' association. So two hundred and ten million players' association get thirty eight percent of that. Thirty eight percent of that. So what's that? Seventy million dollars. You know, the twelve major union or fourteen major unions in this country get a million dollars. Each expected to run the game in their provincial unions on a million dollars. Meanwhile, the Players Association is getting $70 million of that deal, plus 38% of all other money that comes into New Zealand rugby. And we wonder why the game is in trouble, man. It's all about me. And then there's no accountability. I mean, when was the last time you saw an all-black team be able to change a game plan halfway through a game rather than having to go into half-time or the coaches sending messages down? They don't think for themselves anymore. I mean, people going about how good Bowden Bowden Barrett's crap. He can't follow a game plan. He just kicks. He's not even in the same league as the Grant Foxes and the Dan Carters and Andrew Mertens and... Those first fives that have gone before. Give Stephen Perifetta a crack. I reckon he's the best first five in the country at the moment. Twenty-five minutes away from eight. Anything you want to add, Ben? Do I need to take three deep breaths and just <sighs> calm down, Mark? Well, one tight in, tight out, Mark. One thought which tied is in, tied out. one thought which is interesting, and it's based on uh, the, the the Bunnings MPC teams. Is uh, I was reading that the 2009 Southland team uh, that won that they were holding the shield for a while, their, their player budget was around $2 million. And we can think back, you know, just 10 years ago, how much more significant 
the provincial game was, even though it was in a bit of a decline. And now that's less than well less than fifty percent of that. I think it's around like seven hundred thousand they have to spend on well, players. I think yeah, but but see the Mitre Ten Cup and the current model has to become an amateur competition with basically just the fee paid to the players on a weekly basis of say a thousand dollars or whatever it is. It needs to have a salary cap of about a hundred thousand dollars on it. It just simply does. Because under the current model, yes, the unions can pay it, but every other aspect of rugby suffers because of it. And this comes back to this whole mentality of the players association, our players need to get paid. At the end of the day the Mitre Ten Cup is really only a third tier competition behind the All Blacks and Super Rugby. Why should we be paying them? And so maybe it needs to go back to being an amateur comp. Just on that, you know, there was a time there a couple of years ago, St. Kennegan's college rugby budget was $700,000 a year for a secondary school, man. <sighs> secondary school rugby. Yikes. More than Northland rugby, man. Wow, that's incredible. Speechless. You know, it's just wrong. 0800 150 You're my psych psychiatrists, psychologists. I'm going to just take a Zen moment. I'm going to take three deep breaths. I'm going to close my eyes tight and tight out. I'm going to calm down. But I'd love to hear from you. You can text us here on double eight double three. A little bit of funk there, Ben. Yeah, a bit of a groovy tune. Mm, I got to do the uh, closing ceremony at the World Games in Birmingham, Alabama, which is, um, again, the Olympics for non-Olympic sports. And Lionel Richie was... Um, uh, the big finale out of Alabama. They also had a couple of uh, three former American Idol or two winners and one runner-up um, who I've got to say can sing, man. Whatever you think of that show, they can sing. So I'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later on, my experiences over there in Birmingham. Uh, anyway, uh, look, I've been, um, yeah, I've slowly wound up a little bit. I've been sort of sitting back waiting for an opportunity to have my sort of say on the All Blacks, take a slightly different angle on it than perhaps others. But actually what is happening, um, you can Google the article. In fact, you can Google a couple articles I wrote for stuff. I wrote about this four years ago. I said the next administration will clean this mess up. The house of cards will come down. The game is just too top-heavy. It's just too all-black-focused. Too much nepotism. Anyway, Paul, good evening. Welcome. Thanks. Yeah, in today's inclusive world, I fail to see how provincial unions can receive the paltry sum of a million dollars that you alerted to, and Maori rugby gets two million dollars. That is just dead set wrong. It's not separatism, it's apartheid. It is wrong. Also, on the manufacturing of women's sport being professional, not women's sport, women's rugby. It's a complete disaster. It needs to stand on its own two feet, like we all started somewhere. Yeah, look. And that's how it needs our hang on. That's how it needs to grow. Hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, not that. We go throughout every aspect of sport now, and we have to be inclusive. I love the traditional, uh, traditional, women's sports as such. Women's rugby is a complete drain on the funds of New Zealand rugby. Heartland rugby was deprived of their funding, I think, two to three years ago to put into women's rugby. Now, you complain about grassroots rugby. Rugby's a bloke's game, that and rugby league. Oh, no, that's fact. And this Rugby World Cup, the woman's one, it won't work. It'll be manufactured. What, what, you touch on 
Okay, look, Paul, um, I, look, I don't want to get into the whole Māori thing. Um, I think there's different reasons why Māori rugby does need to be supported in this country. Um, on the manufacturing of women's sport, I think there is an element of that. I, I must admit I do get frustrated that our media have tried to manufacture the importance of a lot of women's sport with the cricket and with the rugby. Um and I'm not sure that it's backed up by the crowds that are attending. I recently watched the Black Ferns play the Australians, and it was played in Tauranga Domain. Couldn't work out why it wasn't played in a major stadium. After all, we're told how big it is, how important it is to New Zealanders. In regards to the Rugby World Cup, uh, Women's World Cup, I'll be really interested to see how many feminists turn up and watch it and how many women turn up and watch it. After all, let's be honest, it's the feminists that have very much driven this pay parity and have really been driving women's sport. I've got a daughter, man, all for it. I want to see women play rugby. I want to see women play cricket. I want to see women do everything. But I just want it to organically grow rather than it being manufactured and told, and we're told how important it is. Let us make that mind. Let us determine that. Let us determine that with our wallets. Let us determine that with our viewing rates and what we watch. But if the products do fall over, it's not my fault. It's not men's fault. It's the feminists who haven't turned up to support it. And it's the women of this country who haven't gone out and supported it. And there's two and a half million women. I don't think it's a bad product. It's different. But I think it still needs to earn its value. And it's even difficult talking about because the political environment in this country doesn't allow you to have an honest opinion on it. I wouldn't be surprised if I'm suddenly labelled a chauvinist, a misogynist, because simply the comments I've just made. Yet, I think what I've said is actually quite logical. Nothing detrimental towards women's sport at all. Women's tennis, brilliant product. Women's water polo, amazing. Women's golf, Stunning to watch. Women's netball, love it. Women's swimming at the Commonwealth Games, love every minute of that. Same with the women's track and field. It's earned its place. It's earned its legacy. Some of these other sports haven't done that for me just yet. I don't need to have the media telling me that I'm a chauvinist because I haven't bought into the rhetoric. 13 and a half minutes away from 8. Nine minutes away from 8. After 8 o'clock, we're going to continue the discussion. I do want to look at the Warriors. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I, um, yeah, I can't stop laughing when I think about the Warriors. Uh, I told you it's going to be a doom and gloom evening. I apologise for it. I don't mean to come out here and just be dark and negative. Um, Commonwealth Games are starting, so hopefully next week we'll be a lot more positive. Um, but also just want to have a chat too about the whole Manly saga. Uh, I've got to say, I, I, I'm sick and tired. Religion's just becoming hateful, isn't it? It's just, it's a message of hate. I, I wonder whether these players, if, if a family member or if they themselves suddenly found themselves on the surgical table requiring um, life-saving surgery um, in a very, very delicate operation with a very low survival rate and the best person to do it happened to be um, gay or transgender, uh, if they'd still throw the Bible at them. 
Uh, and is it any different, this um, issue around um, this whole uh, the gay transgender um, community? What's the difference between that and the Indigenous round? Tell me there's a difference. There's none in my opinion. It's all about inclusiveness. It's all about celebrating different, if I can use the word, different tribes, different groups, different ethnicities, different ways of life. The whole thing just smells of complete and utter hypocrisy. Carlton, good evening. Welcome. Hi. Uh, I'm a big supporter of all that, like, you know, prevention of super rugby. You know, it's the rivalry and everything. Um, other is um, the the game the All Blacks are playing uh, five years too late. Uh, they're playing the same game plan for the last five years, and other teams have caught on to that. They need to change it up. It was working five years ago, but it's not working anymore. Yeah, but Carlton, I mean, is your interest in the game now as strong as it was, say, 10 years ago? It's probably diluted a little bit. Yeah. But I'm still a supporter. Yeah, so so you're one of those people that, would you call, say, the big matches, even through the Mitre 10 Cup, or what do they call it these days, would you still describe yourself, would you just still describe that stuff as what I call appointment viewing, that you're just not going to go anywhere because you don't want to miss it, or... Um, are there only so many aspects of rugby that these days are appointment viewing? I I'm, I I go to all games. Like I I love the rivalries. You know, Canterbury Wellington, Canterbury Auckland. Those are the games. You, yeah, but, get but 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 is that rivalry still there? You seem to sort of still have it, but I just don't sense it is anymore. There doesn't seem to be that hate between Auckland and Canterbury anymore. No, it's definitely changed. It's definitely died off. Which is which is years. which is sad because you need it. You need that niggle. You need that rivalry. You need that hostility, you know, as long as it doesn't get out of control, but you've got to have that tribalism, and there doesn't appear to be the tribalism in the game anymore. Yeah, you know, as, as much as I love Super Rugby, I, I think um, having Super Rugby really diluted uh, for provincial teams, you know. You know, you used to get your blacks out of the provincial teams, but, you know, that's what brought it, uh, you know, crowds, full crowds, because all the all blacks were playing for the provincial teams. Well, I mean, you saw how poor some of the crowds were for Super Rugby at times. Um, I can't imagine the crowds are going to be great throughout this. Um, um, what, what do they even call it? Is it the MPC, the Mitre 10 Cup, the Bunnings MPC? There you go. See, I can't even tell you that, Carlton. Hey, look, I've got to go because I am running out of time. But thank you for your call. Don't be a stranger to the program. But see, even that, I don't even know the name of the comp these days. It's changed so many times, hasn't it? So it's the Bunnings MPC. Um, yeah, I mean, no one knows half the players that are playing. There are no brand athletes, are there? There's the odd All Blacks scattered in there. I'll I, I tell you a little story, a financial story that I heard um, from within Auckland Rugby a few years ago. I'll, I'll tell you that after 8 o'clock. I'll also just go through a couple of more statistics and we will look at the Warriors. <laughs> 0800 150811. Oh, the Thunderbirds theme. Boy, I would never have picked that. A familiar, but I would never have picked it. Why'd you choose that, mate? I thought Waro would come to the rescue tonight, like international rescue, with some hard-hitting opinion. And I've delivered it. You've delivered it. 
I'm only starting too because we're going to go Warriors in a minute, buddy. Oh, bring it on. Bring yeah. it on. Um, telephone numbers 0800 150811. We, we, we're not doing interviews tonight. We're just going to go hard on opinion. Um, and I, I want to give get you thought. You guys, as I've said, um, you're my psychiatrist. You're my psychologist. So I just need to get this off my chest. I've been three weeks in Birmingham, Alabama, in the state at a thing called the World Games, which was one of the great broadcasting experiences of my career. But... Um, I've sat back and I've watched and I've seen all of this unfold. And if you've just joined the program, I actually wrote an article on this uh, four years ago uh, that ended up on the front page of the sports section of the Christchurch Press. Headline, Hanson, too much power. Uh, The last line of that article was the next administration will be cleaning this mess up. Um, I'm I'm not happy that we've got to this point, but I think the writing's always been on the wall. Uh, I think the game's been in decline really since about Mm, 216, 217, uh, for a whole lot of reasons. Um, particularly just too top heavy on the All Blacks and not enough accountability around it. Uh, someone saying here, Mike's texting, love your thoughts, Watto. Um, I think the Players Association is the biggest blight on New Zealand rugby. I, I, I agree. It is. It's the tail wagging the dog. Um, but also, I think New Zealand rugby, the way they bully the media, um, the way they. Um, I think bully Sky Television in terms of controlling the message. I'm trying to think of another major sporting network around the world whose number one shows and and currency is hard is not hard hitting opinion. ESPN, it's all strong opinion based stuff. You look at NRL 360, hard hitting opinion. And what does Sky do? Lapdogs, a PR firm. Share price is $0.22. Cents. You can buy 10 for $2.20. That's what will be listed. They've invested $450 million in the product. What are they doing to leverage that investment? Surely you want people talking about the game. Surely you want people around the water cooler discussing it, rightly or wrongly. And they wonder why people are switching off. They wonder why people are no longer watching the product that they've spent the most money on. New Zealand rugby wonder why there's not the engagement that there once was. New Zealand rugby sit back there and go, oh, crowd numbers are down. Well, you shut the discussion down, New Zealand rugby. You shut it down. Guys like me, hey, we're the Antichrist. Have the discussion. Look at English Premier League football. Look at the many narratives that go on there. Wonder why it's the biggest sporting comp in the world. Look at what the NBA does. Players are put forward. You know about the players. There's always a scandal. There's always a bit of a story. There's the coaches are big personalities. The players are their own personalities. Rugby's reduced itself to the 80 minutes in the middle of the park, and it's not enough. The product's not good enough to do that. Uh, you know, and look, I have gone, tried to offer some solutions, tried to go in, and but I don't get it. Apparently, I don't get it. I'm the one that doesn't get it. I've never got it, apparently. I do get it. I think a lot of people get it. Um, Someone else saying here, let's face it, the New Zealand Rugby Union is a very old bloated cow with a few too many blowflies hanging on since 2015 when the um, biggest bloated blowfly, uh, I I won't read the rest of it because I, yeah, I, I probably a little bit too derogatory and I don't, but I understand where you're coming from. Um, Five minutes after eight, 0800 is the number right. Um, the Warriors um, justify their performances for me. Ben, tell me why I shouldn't go to town on them right now. 
Oh, uh, you can you can if you want. Well, you're more than welcome to. No, I just want to know. You seem to be a little bit more optimistic. You seem to be a little. We haven't had the discussion to be fair, but I'm. I'm opti- you, you love your warriors, and I get that. I get that. And a good hard fan will, and, and I admire you for that because you are a genuine fan through thick and thin. I might be a little bit fickle. I'm not sure. Well, I, I'm happy to go come into bat for them, but in certain aspects of them, like I was thinking about it the other day, uh, in terms of how would I grade their season so far, or how uh, you know there's only a few games left this year. I was thinking, how would I grade their season? And I literally couldn't go as of right now. I couldn't go any more than a C because to me, they haven't got it any better than last year. But how can you give them a C? C still a pass, no, no, mate. No, I, well, to me, it's not because C is there's been no improvement, and that's kind of where I'm at. They haven't got it any better to me, and that I'm saying C would be the absolute highest I would consider going. I wouldn't go any higher. I'm not saying that I would give them a C. I'm saying that would be the, the the best I could give them or I could make a case for. You know, there's a lot of kids out there at the moment wishing you were a high school teacher, wishing you were their high school teacher marking their exams, Ben. <laughs> well, I, I, know, I know there's a few players that you would love to voice your opinion on, so let's hear that. I'm, I'm happy no, to hear look, it. I, I, I just found it funny throughout the year, you know, we heard about the Warriors and oh, how, and another one that how life, how tough life is, you know. It's amazing, all of these sports people that train three or four times a week, live in uh, beautiful condominiums in the Gold Coast, get paid half a million to a million dollars a year, and we're constantly told how tough their lives are. I mean, let's start with that one. I've, you know, I've just gone on about the All Blacks and... I'm sick and tired of how tough life is for these guys. So let's just park that one. Uh, but, you know, we're told how tough their life is and they're away from their families. Uh, it doesn't matter that George Bennett's for a nine months of the year riding the Tour de France. Um, Braden Curry's overseas chasing the Ironman, not performing, not getting paid, doing it all on his own back. Uh, Hayden Wild, a lot of our runners spend huge amounts of time overseas on their own, away from their family and don't have the comfort of a steady income coming in or a whole lot of teammates around them to pick them up when they fall over. Um, so let, let's not talk a little bit about tough but you know and then we heard oh you know Sean Johnson was having a few sort of off-field issues and it was all about coming home and and and, and, you know we're going to come back home and everything's going to be better and and then we heard the excuses once we saw the coach getting sacked Nathan Brown getting sacked and uh, and you know that was a big part on it all Um, and then we've come home and we're still crap and what's the next excuse where's the next little tune that's going to come off the little violin that I should be playing for them? The reality is these players are just not simply good enough. They're not professional enough. They're just not good enough. I'd sack all of them. I think they're all just a waste of time, maybe bar one or two. Sean Johnson is just, yeah, unfortunately for Sean, I think he's got all the talent in the world, but I just think he lags an edge. I just don't think he's tough enough. I don't think he's hard enough. I, I, I can't understand why we brought him back on board. Another article I wrote, you can Google this if you don't believe me, where I actually said the first time I saw the Warriors, actually, I thought they were turning the corner and becoming professional was when they actually sacked Sean Johnson. But, you know, you're up 14-0 against Canberra and you get smacked. I mean, you know it's coming, don't you? And then we're told by their owners to, let's be patient. 25 years, 25 years we've had to be patient. Oh eight hundred, one five oh eight double one. I don't mean to be a doom and gloom merchant. But when it comes to talent ID, clearly the Warriors aren't getting it right. Forget how many muscles they've got, how heavy they are, how tall they are, how fast they run over 40 metres. That shoulder down stuff. We need to start identifying talent from the shoulders up.
the top two inches? Who are the guys that you would have in the trenches? Not always the most talented guys. Let's stop being somehow this responsibility that we need to be a feeder for New Zealand players. The NRL is a feeder for New Zealand players. I don't give a damn if I've got 13 Australians on the park. It's not a national team, it's a franchise. Another one, stop making excuses for these guys. What is it with us feeling sorry for the most resource sports teams in this country and them all convincing us that their life is so much tougher than everybody else's? Stop dumbing it down. Players Association again. Isaac, good evening. Yeah, g'day. Um, oh, you're saying, oh, I'm a bit jumbled, but um, I just want to stick up for Sean Johnson a little bit. Like, his, I can't remember if it was 2019 or 2020, he hit his ankle playing for the Sharks, but um, people like Matty Johns are saying he would, if he didn't get injured, he probably could have got Dally M that year. Like, he's still got it in him somewhere. And you're saying you'd only keep maybe two of them. Like, there's some quality players. Like, Adam Fanua Blake, he's probably one of the best front rowers in the game. That was a good signing. Uh, Josh Curran, they've found gold with him. That's two, yep. Yeah, that's two. Two Harris, that's three. Um, Reese Walsh, which hasn't worked out, but that was four. No, 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 he's not four. He hasn't worked out. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that one then. Um, but you're right, there's a lot of talent in New Zealand getting scouted and going over seas. Like, even two guys from my class at school got picked up by the Melbourne in that. Um, but why aren't they finding them here? What school did you go to, Isaac? New Plymouth Boys High School. Oh, good school, mate. The gully, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of them ended up playing in RL for the Tigers, Curtis Rowe. Yep. And a couple others didn't work out. But, um, oh, I just want to say one thing about the pride stuff with Manly. Like, I'm not homophobic or anything. My sister's gay. But, like, um, they don't do a straight round. Why do they need a pride round? Like, it's, I don't mind if gay players play rugby. Like, <clears throat> rugby league, I support the Warriors. If half of them come out gay tomorrow, I'm still supporting the Warriors. But, yeah, but, but we look, don't need to no, but put you, the colours on their shirts. No, but you've also got to understand for a long time, though, that these people, there has been segregation. There has been a lot of um, homophobia. They haven't always been accepted. And it's just certainly rugby league, actually, just from a PR point of view, simply coming out and saying, hey, we welcome everybody. And that's what the statement is. And it's no different than the Indigenous round. It's no different than the women's round. Um, and I'm, not, I'm, 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 not, I'm proud to be Māori as well. Yeah. And I don't... But, you, you, like, but, but they but, do, like, the Māori surf nationals and stuff. You, they, you don't see them doing Pākehā nationals. You no, imagine you, what, no, you don't. What, no, you don't. Because for a long time, Pākehā were the ones that were actually the ones that were the great, you know, under... Whether we, I don't want to get... But under colonisation, let's be fair, um, yeah, Māori were heavily affected and heavily um, set back. Uh, I, I don't have any problem coming out and saying that. I think that, you know, colonisation around the world's done incredible damage to a lot of Indigenous populations and but but see being Maori I thought you'd understand this because it's been a it's been a fight for indigenous people it's been a fight for people of uh, non-european you know for, for for black people for Polynesian Maori however you want to describe them to get equality for a long time and it's been through similar similar efforts that the change has come and that Maori Polynesian uh, people of different races have all been accepted, and one of the last bastions, I guess, is still the whole gay transgender thing. I just find it hypocritical that it's all based on religion. Religion's about tolerance. Religion's about love thy neighbour. Um, and I, I just all I'm all I'm seeing in religion these days is just a lot of hate. 
You know, I hear you, and I like the call you made about if the, they had cancer or something and the one doctor was gay, they they wouldn't throw the Bible at them. Like, no, or, you or, are or right. If you, or if you, were, if you were hanging onto a cliff and the only hand that came out happened to be, let's say, two gay guys, um, would you put the Bible up and go, no, 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 mate, sorry? Of course you wouldn't. Oh, of course not, yeah. Yeah. Nah. But but also what you got oh, what, what no Isaac lovely to have you on the program and don't be a stranger mate I really enjoyed your call thank you I like people that do get on and challenge me um, but look you've also got to understand as most corporates these days have the rainbow tick they are very open I mean if you listen to Ian Roberts so you listen to the Ian Roberts the great manly hard man and he was tough mate Ian Roberts and he came out he said look I am gay and it blew everybody away because he just was the ultimate physique. He just came across as that man's man. Let's just use that stereotype back then. Um, but he said, look, I was born this way. I, I can't change that. But you imagine those young kids out there at the moment that are born that way. I don't think, as, as Elton John said, you don't, he said, look, life would have been easier for me if I wasn't gay. It's not something you necessarily choose to do because it's trendy. It's just the way it is. But you've got a whole lot of kids out there at the moment going, oh, okay, it is, boy. I might just go and commit suicide now, you know, and, and that's the danger in it. And that's just so opposite to what religion should be. But also, I do find it funny that it's the Pacific and Pacifica players particularly who seem to have this sort of prejudice. You know, in their society, they have far, far fine, which are, um, you know, integrated into their families, which are basically, yeah, far, far fine, almost, uh, almost um, transvestite types. Uh, look, I, I, I don't mean to offend anybody in the way I describe that. I mean it with the greatest respect. You know, I went through Manabit Grammar School, large Polynesian population. I went to school with um, kids who um, were far, far finer. Um, probably didn't really truly understand it back then, but certainly uh, understand it now. But, you know, a long part, part of their life, segregation. Hey, how many Polynesian players did you used to see in the NRL? Seriously. A lot now. Hasn't always been that way. You know, look at the apartheid in South Africa. It's through statements on jerseys and stuff and through things celebrating those cultures that we do get changed. The, 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 the complete and utter, I'll get your thoughts on this, Ben, but the complete and utter contradiction here is that these same players who hide behind the Bible are more than happy to go out and have casino and gambling all over their jersey, playing a stadium that's sponsored by a brewery. Now, last time I checked, particularly among the Pacific Island communities, and I think it's prevalent in South Auckland, it's not just that, it happens in all society, but I think it's, it's more prevalent in that Pacific Island community. And again, I'm saying that with the greatest respect. I, I don't mean to, again, I don't, I, I'm not just throwing that out there. Um, I'm not just stereotyping. But alcohol and gambling are huge problems. In society, huge problems in those communities. Why aren't they saying to the club, I don't want to play for you because I don't like the companies that you're aligned with. They're not helping my people. They're not helping for the greater good of humanity. I, I mean, look look at the Warriors. I'm, it's not the case now because I think it's still Vodafone. But there was a time there, and this is, oh, we're the family club. Okay, so we've got Wendy's on one sleeve, we've got Bourbon Cola on the other, and we've got Sky City Casino somewhere. Hmm, yeah. Yeah, we're the biggest obesity epidemics, drinking domestic problems, 
gambling? Yeah, you're a family club, all right? Like hell. You're a money-making club who hides behind the banner of being a family club. Does it really affect them if they go out with rainbow on their shirt? Does it really affect them? How does it affect them? More than happy to take the paychecks. See, by making the starts, you actually put the entire league at risk here. Corporates just turn around and go, I don't want to be part of it. Sorry, we don't want to be associated with it. We don't want to be associated with Manly anymore. We just don't want to be associated with the NRL if that's the stance you're going to take. Then the money falls out of it. Happy to take the paychecks though, aren't you? Happy to still get paid on Thursday night. What's your thoughts on this one, Ben? It's a, it's a very murky situation. Uh, I kind of, it's a bit of a, I, I'm a bit struggling with this one, to be honest, because no, I, look, I, 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 yeah, you're I, I, I don't support what the players have done, just put it that way. It's just, I guess it's in terms of everything around it, like in terms of how no one was informed of the jersey. I'm not saying that's an excuse, but there's there's so many barriers to over that. And then the worst thing is that Des Hasler has to come out and apologise because the club doesn't have a CEO that starts till next week and the next highest up person at the club's away on holiday that the coach has to and the captain have to front this and apologise yeah. for something that was they were trying to do for good. But when you run a business, mate, you cannot go and consult everybody in the organisation what they should do. You've got to make some decisions here. This really shouldn't be an issue. And if they had have gone and consulted the clubs or the players, it wouldn't have happened, full stop. And then that in itself would have automatically sent the message that Manly, well, they're clearly homophobic. That is the danger. Oh eight hundred. One five oh eight double one is the number. Taking your calls. Who still wants to bring the violin out for the Warriors? What's the excuse now? What, the games are late at night? It's cold, it's wet. You don't know how tough it is for us. You know, they're bickering amongst themselves. What is it with our top sports teams, man? Go and watch, like next week when the Commonwealth Games on, look at the swimmers. Go and look at what they do, man. People think that I, I bring these sports up because I'm biased towards them. No, I'm just educated. Hey, Jace. Oh, kia ora. Kia ora, how are you? How are you going? Good, thanks. Yeah, good, thanks. No, I'm, I'm actually calling from um, Sydney. Yeah, I saw the, um, I saw the little Australian I, number come up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I listen to you fellas on the um, on the app. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I love all of the um, the chats and stuff. And, you know, 100% agree with you on uh, the ABs and the, and the um, Warriors. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a full-on Warriors fan. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd agree with the previous caller. You know, there's only a couple of players that have really um, played to their potential and definitely Finor Blake um, was one of them, you know, but very few. It's It's been a very disappointing um, year. But can I ask, but Jace, can I ask you this? Um, and I, if, if you were here, I'd give you a cuddle for just being a Warriors fan, mate. I'd put my arms around <laughs> you and just hold you close and tell you it's going to be okay. But <laughs> if you were to look next year, can you really see anything changing next year? I mean, the media will come out and... 
they'll get written off by all the pundits in Sydney and everyone will go, no, 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 this club will be okay. But I still can't see things being any different next year necessarily at the moment. Look, no, I, I don't hold out too much hope. I mean, Warriors supporters are delusional at the best of times. You know, we're always, you know, this is our year and we're all, oh, See, I'm just telling my producer, Ben, that he's delusional because he's a mad keen Warriors fan. <laughs> so I, I didn't really say that. You said that, Jase. <laughs> no, no, I'm living it. Well, that's, that's the only problem. Um, but, yeah... I, like the blue thing, Walsh has obviously gone. Um, Ewan Aitken is probably one of the others that can hold his head up a bit high this year, but he's going. So, um, mm. you well, know, well, who, who do we replace with them? We've got um, Mitchell, uh, what's his name, from the Newcastle team, Barnett. He's yep. coming. Um, Dylan Walker. who uh, Dylan Walker's an interesting case because um, as you were talking about the Manly uh, Pride jersey situation, um, and the hypocrisy that's happening with this religious... I mean, I cannot... It's 2022, the last time I checked. I mean, come on. Uh, but the hypocrisy doesn't just stretch to the drinking and the gambling side. Um, Dylan Walker himself was caught up in an off-field um, sort of situation. I didn't see any of his teammates come out and say, well, I don't want a bar of this boat. You know, mm. he's... he's um, you know, you know the situation that I'm talking about. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll look you know, I don't really want to go into it, but you know that that sort of stuff. You know, you never well, hear um, players come out strongly and actually defend. Um, you know, or actually go hard on their teammates. I, I guarantee. Look, Jase, I guarantee. If you ask those many players that are boycotting and say, "What are your thoughts on the American quarterback Colin Kaepernick who took a knee because he didn't yeah. believe that?" African-Americans were getting a fair deal by the police and the way America is set up. Oh, I love Colin Kaepernick. Well, at the end of the day, though, mate, it's the Colin Kaepernicks which help break down those barriers. And it's putting the rainbow stripe on the jersey which helps breaking down barriers for a group in society as well who have been marginalised and at times as bad as any sort of racial segregation we've seen in the past. And that's the hypocrisy I deal with. They pick and choose their arguments. Absolutely. And and actually, your previous caller, you know, I'm Māori myself. Um, and that's another, again, I'm 100% with you. Like, I just cannot believe that a group of people, being uh, either Polynesian, Māori, uh, Tongan, or whatever, who have fought for so long for recognition mm. for their own rights within a European or a Western society... Well said. Uh, ..can't actually understand that that's exactly what people from a LGBT... Yeah, you know, Q uh, background are actually trying to do. Oh, like, they, they just, hey, look, they just want to be included, man. They just want to have the same rights. They just don't want to be marginalised. They just and, and the NRL, what they're actually just saying, hey, we're the people's game, and by doing this, we're just sending that message. Hey, we welcome everybody, and it's actually a positive message. It's not a negative message. You know, this is not moral policing, people. Um, you know, no. yeah. Hey, hey, Jace, lovely to have you on the phone, mate. Um, don't be a stranger to the program, but go. What do you do in Sydney? Oh look, I work for the uh, the federal government here. So oh, do you? It's actually, yep. um, yeah, yeah, just for the federal government. I've been here for a long, long time, but yeah. you know, 
You can take the boy out of uh, Levin, but you can't take oh, Levin out of the boys. So you know, I did the, I did the New Zealand Secondary Schools Cross Country Championships in Levin in 1985, mate. My first ever New Zealand oh, really? Secondary Schools. It was in Levin in 1985. Never forgotten it. Always, always been. Any time Levin comes up, big. By the way, that's a sprawling bloody um, little populace now. I drove through it. At, Carlos, Carlos. Oh, Carlos, Carlos the boy from Horafenua. Absolutely. Yes. And then yes. not too far from that, you've yes. got um, you've got uh, Chris Waller, the trainer from Foxton, who trained um, Winks and the great racehorses. So a nice part of the world. Yes, Cody Taylor as well. He's um, he's from around those parts. Yeah, probably needs and to... James Carmo is yeah, the other one. Yeah, uh, Cody probably just needs to move on. <laughs> anyway, Jace, lovely to have yeah. you on the program. Thank you, appreciate it. No, no worries. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you. mate. All right, telephone numbers oh eight hundred. One five zero eight double one. It's been good actually. I'm really enjoying this. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. I'm going to take a break. I want to get those thoughts too on those players. I get Ben. He's he's more across the league than I am. I've been away a lot. I've got to be honest. I don't watch as much now. Um, I just can't be bothered. Um, just don't have the time for mediocrity. I just don't. Just don't. If I'm going to sit down, I, I want to watch people who've got heart. I want to watch people who've got some effort. I want some. I want to watch people who care. And I just don't see that in the Warriors. So, uh, the players that. Jason mentioned that are coming to the club. I'll just get um, Ben's thoughts on those when we come back. But if you want to join the program, 0800 150811. Just a reminder that you're my psychiatrist tonight. You're my psychologist, okay? I've been away overseas. I've been wanting to vent a little bit. You know, in air breaks, I'm taking three deep breaths. I'm closing my eyes. I'm visualizing the tide going in, tide going out. I'm trying to bring my heart rate down. I'm trying to stay calm. But I need you to reassure me. Become part of the program. It is 8.30, we've got Hoopheads after 9 o'clock, Casey Frank in studio, and then halfway through the show, Justin Nelson will join us as well. He'll do that on the phone, he's just commentating at the moment. Uh, telephone number is 0800 150 If you have just joined us, we spent the first hour, and I yeah, sort of came off the long run and eventually wound up a little bit on the state of New Zealand rugby and gave my thoughts. Um, nothing really that's happening now surprises me at all because I put it in an article and you can Google it uh, back in 2018 pretty much saying that this next administration would have to clean up the mess uh, that was being put in place um, uh, you know four or five years ago uh, this administration's inherited it but haven't helped it it probably added to the woes of New Zealand rugby a couple of questions that I just want to ask is why on earth were the players out in a bar drinking after they lost the second test to the Irish? Why were they walking through an airport without masks? I can sort of understand why you might not, but when a member of the public asks them, the answer is, just chill out, mate. And then why is it when there is so much disdain and hostility towards the All Blacks they would put up on social media yesterday all the players receiving their $5,000 wristwatches from some new watch sponsor what part of reading the room doesn't this All Black administration get and that's not even studying on the coaching the appointment of Jason Ryan and the potential appointment in the future of Leon McDonald is PR. Oh, Ryan's outstanding. Don't worry, he'll be a great asset, but it's public relations. John Hart did it in 99 after he lost five tests. In 98, made Todd Black out a captain. 
to appease the public. Might have been 2000. It was around that time anyway. It was after the All Blacks had been pretty average. Uh, then we've got the Warriors. What's the excuse now, guys? Oh, they were playing overseas. They got their coach sacked. Once they come home, they'll be okay. No, they're not okay. You can't put back in what God left out. Uh, ben, you wanted to comment on Sean Johnson. Yeah, so my thoughts are on Sean Johnson. You've had yours, obviously. Look, I will 100% admit that Sean has not been at his best this year. I'm happy to admit that, and like lots of the other players do. However, with Sean Johnson for myself, I would rather a Sean Johnson who is half the player he was before than someone, I'm going to say Reese Walsh, because he wants to be at the club. I want guys representing the Warriors, playing for the Warriors, that want to be at the club. And for me, that's just as important as anything, because we've seen the amount of guys who have said, I don't want to move to New Zealand. So I want guys at the club. I'd put Sean in that category. I'd put Chanel Harris-DeVita in that category. I'd put Jazz Tavanga in that yeah, category. But, but, I want the guys representing the club who want to yeah, be there. My perception of Sean Johnson is, though, mate, he gets homesick very easily. He's a little bit of a homeboy. I don't mean that in a detrimental way. That's just his makeup, and I think he feels safe here. I don't think the criticism's as brutal on him here as it perhaps might be in an Australian environment. And so I think his desire to be at the club is more about what's best for Sean Johnson rather than the actual club itself. That's just my perception of it. Oh, I disagree. I, th I think he wants to be there. He's always said that he wants to win the title with the Warriors, and it's probably not... Well, he needs to learn how to tackle. Well, he's not the only one that needs to learn how to tackle. Mm. It he's, he's on the big bucks. He's the big reputation. He's the pin-up boy. He's the franchise player, isn't he? Well, he's not at the moment, no. But, the, okay, if you look at the last... We've talked about all the issues with the All Blacks over the last year odd. We go back over the last 10 years of the Warriors. You can't blame Sean Johnson for all the different coaches they've gone through. You can't blame Sean Johnson for all the different combinations and halves and all the players on the field that the Warriors have gone through. Sean Johnson can only control a certain amount of thing. No, if you no. want to build a winning team in the NRL, you have to stick to a, we have to yeah, build but, a winning team. Sean Johnson should be inspiring the guys around him. The great players do. They, they go where you lead. And look at McCaw. Uh, and unfortunately, Sean just doesn't have that. He doesn't have that aura. Doesn't have that mantra about him. Uh, look, I, 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 look, you're not going to win a premiership with Sean Johnson. He, he's too flawed. He's good in some areas, but he's too flawed. He's not the complete player. Not like, gonna, he, he's not a Matthew Ridge, mate. You're not going to win an NRL title when you have gone when Sean Johnson has gone through the amount of different coaches he had. I can rattle every player that has played in the halves of them. I can rattle off every fullback, every hooker, your core spine. You look at the Melbourne Storm. How often did they change their spine during their yeah, successful years? They did not... They didn't change it. The Roosters are but, the exact same. But, they don't change these but, core values, and that's how they build the winning team. Go and team. have a look at guys like... The, you talk about the spine, but go and have a look at the guys like the Cameron Smiths and those players. Um, and sorry, who's the other Melbourne hooker that went to the Roosters? Um, help me out here. You got, who are the no, other... No, I'm, I'm going to let you hang on this one. Yeah, no, I know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm having a bit of a mental block. But those guys get the best out of their halves combination. They, they get the best out of them. Sean Johnson doesn't get the best out of anyone. Sean Johnson uses everybody else as an excuse for why he's not playing well. And I don't think you can blame him, though, because of the environment that he's been around in the last... Yeah, but you, he... you talk like, you, I can, like I say, there's been another three ownership changes in, in his time at the club. How, how can you expect to build a winning team? How can you expect to do anything successful when you've got continual changes like that going on, on at the club? That's why you like seeing at the West Tigers at the moment. The West Tigers are an absolute disgrace. They haven't played finals footy in over a decade because their club is broken. And until that changes, 
the same things are going to continue on the field. And Sean Johnson, okay, unfortunately, so, so, okay, is so just caught up in that. Let me answer you this then, because I know the answer to this, but I want to know what your answer is. You said the club is broken. How do we fix it? You go back to how it was before. You focus on youth development because when the Warriors but were at w- But when have they been at their best? They've made two grand finals, but outside of that, they've been pretty damn ordinary. So so when have they been at their best? It's a bit like Donald Trump saying, let's make America great again. Well, when was America great? What, when it was predominantly dominated by European and there was a large level of segregation? Okay, so the Warriors were at their best, in my opinion, from around that period from 2007 to 2011, that four-period window where they made the finals every year, bar 09, the year Sonny Fye died. Ivan Cleary had built a very good team around it. They had all their three teams in the grand final. He goes, and look what he's done at Penrith now, and now the Warriors are wanting to emulate Penrith when they already had all those systems in place at the club, and then I don't know who it was, but someone decided, let's blow it all up, Let's not do this anymore. And now they're suffering as a result. And now we're hearing about, oh, we need to keep retaining players. We need to do this. We need to do that. Now, the Warriors have had all this already. They've had they've had it. They're the ones that ruined it. The previous ownership, previous GMs, previous everything, they're the ones that ruined it. It's not all Sean Johnson's fault. Mm, yeah, not I, everything but, is down to Sean Johnson at the Warriors failing. You cannot put it all on one person. No, I, I don't. I don't. I'm just saying I think he is the most overrated, overhyped player in New Zealand sport. So I, I'm surprised that you're, you're, you're very quick to hit out at the guys in All Blacks management and the CEO, Mark Robinson. So I, I'm kind of curious to know why isn't that same getting fired at I, the current no, Warriors mate, regime? Tell, okay, well, I'll start right now. I wouldn't have Rico Awani on my team. I wouldn't have Akira Awani. I think they're too cool for school. I don't. I think for everything they bring, I think there's too much baggage off it. That's just my perception of them. Uh, Scott Barrett, in my opinion, is incredibly overrated. I wouldn't have Sam Kane in my side. I, I, I don't rate him. Um, I, I think that our two locks are past their use-by date. I mean, I'm more than happy to pick the players apart. Uh, boy, at the end of the day, they've got to be accountable as well. I, I agree. But, I mean, at the end of the day, we've got 13 players out there getting paid a lot of money. Their basic job is to tackle, pass, kick. And they don't seem to be able to do that well. And you know what the definition of that is? If that's all you do and you don't do it that well, you know what the definition is? Loser. Take a break. And, uh, cheap. Anyway, I can't sing. Uh, 16 minutes away from nine. I'm not here to sing. I'm here to take talk back, here to talk sport. I want you to be my psychologist, my psychiatrist. Help me through the night. Allow me to vent. Uh, Steve, good evening. Welcome. Good evening. How are you? Good, thank you. I reckon this has been, I reckon this has been, I've just been, Sitting, I'm a, a real sports fan, yep. and I have been for years, and I'm 63, yep. and um, and been very heavily involved at a very high level in sport, hmm. and I just think this has been riveting for since 7 o'clock, and what you're saying, I 250% agree with everything you've been saying. I used to ring up on Radio Sport, and I have done in the morning show and a couple of times with Smithy. I just can't be bothered anymore because um, I'm sick of people. I mean, Mackie's now trying to give it to them, but everyone's so high blase. You know, we need to tell it how it is. First of all, I'll just be brief, but the rugby. I mean, everything you've said about that rugby, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Mark Robinson, I'm from New Plymouth. Mark Robinson, how the hell he ever got that job to start off with, I couldn't think of a more gutless person to be running the game. Now, this has been going on in the rugby union now for, I would say, eight years. And I agree with you. 
the it was sticking out like a set of cows, whatever, you know. And now it's got to the stage they haven't got the guts or clues to do anything about it. So until they do or someone steps in, well, I mean, what needs to be this big 250 million outfit need to step in and say, well, cancel the deal, then they might do something. Well, on to the rugby, but, but Steve, onto Steve, the rugby Steve, league mark. Sorry, Steve, yep. can I just come in there? See, see that's the other yes, thing. Sorry. You know, when we continue, part of the reason why this deal is worth $210 million is because these guys value the commercial rights of the All Blacks yes. at around $4 billion. Yep. Well, that's based on them winning. That's based on this uh, incredible yes. history that we've got in the game. But what we're actually doing is we're just slowly eroding that away. So, um, you know, we, we if we're not careful, we're going to end up like Wales back in the early 1980s, going from this great rugby nation to minnows. Well, I'll tell you something, Mark. I mean, back in the World Cup when they had it in New Zealand, and we had a group here in New Plymouth. Now, this is very worthwhile bringing up. Ireland were here, and I think it was Wales and a couple of teams. Anyhow, I live next door to Rugby Park, and uh, well, it was Rugby Park or Stadium. And um, now we took some of those supporters in, and because I overseen the ground. Well, they were uh, some of the most unbelievable people. Now, when they come up and we said, oh, how do you think you'll go in New Zealand? Oh, no, 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 no. We come to watch the All Blacks. We'll never beat the All Blacks. That's the only reason. And we love New Zealand friendly people. You know, and when they left New Plymouth two days later, and I think they went to Palmerston North, I can't exactly remember now, and I got their numbers and I've kept in touch you know, they've got no fear of the All Blacks now. No. But back then they did. Mm. They did. Mm. Oh, we'll never beat the yeah. All Blacks. Yeah, That's but, a but, true but, fact, Mark. But, but, see, yeah. Steve, but see, Steve, the, the, the part of what enhances that too is the fact that now we're actually moving into this model where it's actually okay to lose in the name of trying to get it right for the World Cup and that's not acceptable because as I've said we've killed club rugby, we've killed the Mighty 10 Cup, the super rugby competition's a shadow of itself and the All Blacks are now starting to lose but everybody's saying as long as we win the Rugby World Cup, so what's, what have we reduced rugby to once every four years? It, it's not healthy Steve and this is where they're no. going, this is where they're going and it started with Steve Hansen uh, with some of his blase comments off the back of losses and it's continued through. It's not okay to lose. It's never been okay for an all-black team to lose. And the day we start becoming apathetic and start accepting it, the day is the all-blacks uh, are no longer the all-blacks. That brand is diminished. It goes from being a world-class brand to a sort of a, a $2 shop type brand. Hey, Steve, look, well, I'll, I'll t- yeah, God, sorry, I, I do have to move on. But yeah, final thoughts? Sorry, mate. I didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah, I won't get on to the league. I can get you another night. But just... Getting on to what you're just saying, just briefly, I went to, out to the rugby grand final here last week it was yep. between, uh, between Clifton and Dukopper. And, you know, we went to the old boys thing, just a plain old ground, you know, and then you see what was there to what all this razzle-dazzle they get for the All Blacks. You know, get back to grassroots rugby. No, well said, Steve. Well said. And that. I tell you what, yeah. people are starting to, but let's be honest, mate, it's not going to filter down from the unions. No, it's not, it's mate. Not. It's not. Yeah, the, the, the no. New Zealand rugby, they talk a good game, but the clubs are struggling. The clubs are having to go out there and, 
you know, and if legislation comes in from the government where we get rid of gaming machines and stuff, you know, we're in real trouble, aren't we, full stop. Hey, Steve, lovely to have you on the programme. Always appreciate people out of New Plymouth. Uh, My grandmother lived a long time in um, uh, Bell Block, so a lot of time for it. 11 minutes away from 9 o'clock, you're listening to SENZ. Coming up after 9, it is Hoopheads. Uh, We've got Casey Frank in studio. Justin Nelson will join us halfway through the show. Hoopheads coming up after 9 o'clock. Casey Frank in studio. Justin Nelson, who is normally a co-host of that show, he's got some commentary duties at the moment with Sky. He's going to join us on the phone halfway through that program, getting to playoff times. Uh, Let's find out a little bit more about my team, the Tuatara. Just some texts that have come in. Uh, Chris saying, you're the man, Mark. You know, because it's damn hard. Chris, you've got a good memory, my good man. There was a line on Radio Sport that became synonymous for some reason off the back of a bit of rant I did once on the Halberg Awards. Uh, the man from Harlemshine in a hope he says, ha ha, and you're a funny man too. God, there's some intelligent texters out there tonight. I tell you what, there's some really, really intelligent people out there. Keep telling me, keep telling me, you know. I've been neglected my entire life. Just a little bit of positive reinforcement. You look like you want to say something, Ben. Oh, you, you, People are challenging you, saying, here, what about James Maloney? What about Chad Townsend? He played alongside of Sean Johnson. That's, this is what I mean. The, Warrior, the Sean Johnson has had so many guys, in, whether it's the halves at fullback, who have had to partner him and to try build a premiership winning team with so many changes going on, not only on the field but off the field. I can, I can see why the Warriors have failed and they haven't won. They haven't been competing for the last 10 years. You can see why it's been filled of me- mediocrity when there's been so much of this stuff going on on and off the field as I say everything on the field the coaching changes administration ownership changes it's it's a complete mess and when you look at it all you think I can see why they've struggled Mm. okay now look I think there's some merit in what you're saying I mean you've got to have continuity don't you Um, so you're giving you're giving me more than a C then what the Warriors season no for me Oh, no, 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 no. In fact, I, I like it, your own man. You challenge me. You're not afraid to give me your thoughts, mate. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I don't have to agree with you, but I think that's what makes this good, mate. I mean, look, you're closer to it. I am. Um, I'm just sitting back. I don't want to be a doom and gloom Warriors fan. I don't. I would love at some point to be able to come out and be positive on the Warriors. But you've got to earn that. I, I'm too old these days, too run down, too broken, mate. Anyway, great chat. Talking some basketball after 10, we'll reopen it up on more generic type topics. We'll probably go back over a lot of what we've already discussed. Always a different audience, people switching on and off. Uh, Looking forward to talking basketball up next here on SENZ. Keep your thoughts coming on double eight double three. It is one minute after 10. Wow, wonderful music. Enlighten us, Ben. Well, you guessed it correctly. It's uh, good old Paolo Nutini. I like whipping him out. And uh, everyone always says, what a voice. What oh, a voice. talented as hell, mate. Talented as hell. Really good. Really, really good. Yeah, it's off the new album, which came out, I think it was about a month ago it's been out now. It went straight to number one over in the UK. Uh, absolutely a big fan of his and really hoping he will come to these shores uh, next year. Telephone number 0800 150811. I'm going to just go back and um, not relitigate, but just go over some of the points that I made earlier tonight. Uh, radio, yes, some people might be listening from 7 o'clock right through. A lot of people weren't listening between 7 and 9, and some are just switching on now. So, look, I've just come back from the World Games in Birmingham, Alabama. Now, the World Games are the Olympics for non-Olympic sports, 34 sports and all. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed my time. 
Uh, while I was away there, there was a hell of a lot happening here, wasn't there? We saw the All Blacks drop two tests. Didn't really surprise me at all. Um, and since there's been major discourse from the New Zealand rugby public, they want change. They want Ian Foster gone. They want to clean out some fresh thinking. Let's be honest, the All Blacks have been in decline since, what, 2016, 2017, British and Irish Lions tour? I always said the message got stale. In fact, I wrote an article um, for stuff that ended up being on the front page of the sports section in the press four years ago, which predicted pretty much what's happening now. In fact, the last line I used was the next administration be cleaning up this mess. It's really simple to turn this around. Get rid of, get a broom, clean out the management. I don't have a problem with Darren Shand. I quite like Darren Shand. I still think he's got a lot to offer. Get rid of the coaching staff. Get rid of Ian Foster and bring in some fresh thinking, some new selectors to run their eye over the talent pool in this country. I'm not saying Ian Foster's a necessarily a bad coach but it's just time for change I've been on both sides of the coaching equation where I've had athletes given to me or come to me because they've just felt they've needed to change from their previous coach and I've also had athletes move on from me because they felt they needed just a fresh voice and something slightly different and often when that does happen the athlete that you inherit you will see an improvement in their performance and the athlete that you let go, you'll often see an improvement in their performance. And it's not because you're a better coach than the athlete's previous coach or the coach that you've passed your athlete on to is a better coach than you. It's just a different environment, slightly different way of doing things. The athletes feel refreshed, find a little bit more excitement in what they're doing and naturally you see the performance increase. And that's what needs to happen. But the fact that New Zealand rugby just simply cannot come to that conclusion considering all the resource they've got, you do have to question whether Mark Robertson is the right guy for the job. Is he the right CEO? Are the board the right people in place? Why can't they see what everybody else is seeing? How come it took Jason Ryan to come out in a press conference yesterday and say it's a dented forward pack? Ian Foster's been in the job since 2020, yet it takes a new forwards coach to come and identify what probably most of us have already known. So it's not exactly a ringing endorsement of Ian Foster's rugby now, is it? There's talk about bringing Leon McDonald into the all-black environment as the backs coach. This just starts to look a little bit like a PR move to appease the public 
So we've got Jason Ryan from the Crusaders in. We're going to bring Liam McDonald in from the Blues. John Hart did a similar thing around the late 1990s um, when he made Todd Blackadder captain. He'd lost five tests in a row and there was so much disdain out there. I didn't feel like Todd Blackadder was actually worthy of being an all-black, let alone all-black captain. I don't think we need Leon McDonald involved in the All Blacks. I don't think it's his time yet. I think Scott Robertson is the right guy. I think Jason Ryan is the right forwards coach. And then it should be up to Scott Robertson who he wants to appoint. I do feel, however, though, that Ian Foster, if he loses the two tests in South Africa, will fall on a sword. If he doesn't fall on a sword, I think the public will burn down the asylum. And Ian Foster will be seen as very selfish, very self-centred, and all about Ian rather than what's actually better for the greater good of the game. I hope that's not the case, because I've actually had a little bit to do with Ian Foster some years back, a really nice man he's not on trial for that but some players are just some coaches are just better in an assistant level like some All Blacks you get to Super Rugby level they're superb get to All Black level and they just can't quite take it to the next level there's been a number of those players over the years that we've all seen what is also disappointing though is just the general culture within this All Black team at the moment who in their right mind would allow the All Blacks to go out and drink and be in a bar after just having lost the second consecutive test of the Irish and losing the series? We saw in the media the fracas with Justin Marshall. I don't want to get into the rights and wrongs of that. My point is, why the hell are they out? Why aren't they at home in their hotels with their faces in their hands, in tears, knowing they'd let the nation down. Oh, let's go out for a drink. It'll be all okay. And then I have a situation yesterday at a domestic airport where they were seen walking through the airport without face masks. Now, they should have them on. They're the All Blacks. They should be setting an example. But also they should be aware that they are under more scrutiny now than they've ever been. When a member of the public did say to suggest that they should have masks on. The comment came back, just chill out. Not good. Arrogant. Cocky. Dumb. And then in addition to that, those in charge of the all-black media or the social media put up a whole lot of images of the players receiving each a watch from a new sponsor. And I understand those watches are valued at around about $5,000 each. What part of reading the room don't the all-black management get? How dumb can you be at the moment?
Then we had the situation, and I'm commenting on things that happened a couple of weeks ago because I haven't had an opportunity. Then we had the situation of Ian Foster's media conference being cancelled. Oh, we, you know, it had been late, Ian was tired, and we just felt he needed a little bit of a break. So we've just lost two tests to the All Blacks, uh, to Ireland, but we don't want to front up the next day and front the media. Gutless from New Zealand rugby, to be perfectly honest. Appalling. PR 101. For all the resource that the All Blacks have, and they, one thing after another, just seems to be a constant flow of mismanagement. Guys like me are constantly told that I don't get it. No, I do get it. But you know what I think the biggest problem in all of this is? Is the Players Association. The tail wagging the dog. The power the players now have. Constantly told how tough life is for them. Getting paid their million dollars a year playing, what, 14 tests a year, being rest and rotated out of Super Rugby. Life's not tough. They haven't got a clue what tough is. Bunch of prima donnas who live a very, very privileged life here in New Zealand. And that word shouldn't even be associated with the All Blacks, Warriors, New Zealand cricket team or any of our top profile sports teams. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one is the number. Like to get your thoughts. This is a culture thing. I want to also just talk a little bit about the manly situation. Uh, religion's just become about hate, hasn't it? Got a group of Pacific Island players, possibly Māori, I'm not sure, but who apparently have strong religious beliefs. Don't believe in homosexuality or people being gay or transgender. Think somehow that what they do is morally wrong and therefore should not be included in everyday society and not should have the same rights. It wasn't that long ago that people of brown, black skin had to fight for equality themselves in a lot of Western societies. I wonder whether these players would throw the Bible in front of a doctor, a brain surgeon, a heart surgeon, while you're lying there on the operating table or a family member's lying on the operating table on death's door requiring some of the most technical surgery in the world and the surgeon turns around and says, oh, by the way, I'm gay. I've got a sneaky feeling on that occasion they might just put, put the Bible away. And what is the difference between having this round of inclusiveness for the LGBTQ demographic of society and that of the indigenous rounds? 
it's all about inclusion, isn't it? All the NRL are actually trying to do is say, hey, we're a sport for everybody. We don't discriminate. I find the whole thing just complete and utter hypocrisy. And they're still going to get paid, even though they're not going to play on Thursday night. Yet, they'll go out the following week, they'll put their manly jerseys on with their sports betting companies slammed across the front, playing a stadium that's sponsored by a brewery, both of which are a scourge on society, wreak havoc amongst the Pacific Island community to a degree. But that's all okay. What about that young kid, young girl at the moment that's battling with their sexuality or scared of coming out, feeling suicidal, love their rugby league and suddenly feel like the community that they connect with from a sporting point of view suddenly turns the back on them? I'd like to get your thoughts. 0800 150 You can text us here on double eight double three. Are the Warriors. Um, should we bring out the violins for them? We've just had one excuse after another excuse from this club. During COVID, oh, we're away from home. They're back home, they're still losing. You know why they're losing? Because they're losers. Three or four good players in this team, and that's it. But again, like the All Blacks, we'll be told how tough life is for them. And people are gullible and dumb enough to actually buy into it. Life ain't tough, man. They're just soft. They've been dumbed down. Oh eight hundred one five oh eight double one. Had an interesting chat with Ben producing tonight. He takes a slightly different take on the Warriors. He's actually given them a C for the season. A C, Ben. I've not given them a C. I said at the moment a C could be the best I could give them. I couldn't go any higher, but there's still a few games left to go this year. Things could change. But as things stand, I would not go higher than a C. Not saying mm. a C is the grade I will give them. Um, I've just had a text from Michael of Wellington. He says, like old days of radio sport, I stick you on off. Mark Watson like old days. What does that so he turns me off? He doesn't like me. If he, mate, great. Please, you know how to turn an off button, Michael. Uh, you've got to understand we will repeat ourselves at times on a show because our audiences are always changing. Uh, you, you know yourself, you get in the car, you listen to the radio for 15 minutes, you get out of the car and you don't come back type thing. So just giving other people an opportunity um, that might not have been able to listen earlier just to have their say on things. Now, I know the whole rugby thing's being done to death. Uh, but look, I, 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 you know, the game's been just eroded for years, hasn't it? We don't have the players at the moment either. Uh, I mean, I cannot believe that we took a group of players to South Africa and didn't make any changes. And part of the reason we don't have as much talent or necessarily the decision-making ability or perhaps the mental fortitude is because we've killed senior club rugby might attend cuppers 
a shadow of it once was. Super rugby, well, that's just at the mercy of the All Blacks, isn't it? Can someone answer that question for me too? And I threw this out earlier. And I'll give you the example. So Bowden Barrett, right, came into Super Rugby this year for the Blues. Missed, I think, the first two or three games because of ongoing concussion issues. Then came back and played a half a game and then a full game. And then I think he got another head knock against the Highlanders. Had another week off. Came back, found some form, and then suddenly had to have another week off because the All Blacks said, no, no, he has to rest. Can someone tell me how the resting has helped the All Blacks? How did it help us last year at the end of the year? How did it help us this year? And how did rest and rotation help us in 2019. It's one of the great myths. It's sports science that looks good on a PowerPoint presentation and that's about it. All it actually does is undermine Super Rugby because our best players are not playing. When you think about it and you look at the attrition rate in Super Rugby, our top players are probably going to miss a game anyway just through injury and against the lesser teams, well, you find out pretty quickly the size that you're probably going to beat. A lot of smart coaches will rest their top players anyway to give them a week off. You don't need rugby coming in and constituting it. 0800-150-811 is the number. Jump on the phone. Look, I, I, I just need you guys to be my psychiatrist. I need you to help me, okay? I've been away for a little bit. I've come out a lot calmer to, at this hour, haven't I, been than I was, say, between 7 and 8. 7 and 8 is a little bit more emotive. I've just come in here just fairly middle of the road. Those breaths have helped. Yeah, they have. Basketball just helped me take the edge off. And the fact you gave me a Coke Zero too, that just took the edge <laughs> off, Ben. Don't <laughs> underestimate the Coke Zero, mate. It's my poison. 0800 Text us, double eight double three. Thoughts? Should the All Blacks have been in a bar after the loss to Ireland. We only became aware of it because of the skirmish with Justin Marshall. And I'm not going to get into that. I've got quite a bit of time for Justin. He's allowed to be in a bar. I'm not sure why the players are in a bar. Should be at home, apologising to the country, looking themselves in the mirror and feeling ashamed. The fact that we've got attitude when they're walking through an airport, not wearing masks and then commenting to a member of the public who addresses them on it, chill out. And then we've got the All Blacks media showing them all being presented these beautiful, stunning watches, which I understand have a value of around $5,000 each. What part of not reading the room do the All Blacks don't get? 20 minutes after 10. Jump on the phone, light it up, let's go. It is 25 minutes after 10. Telephone number is 0800-150-811. You can text us here on double eight double three. Some really good texts that have come in. Um, this one comes, I think it's from John. I'll just read it out. It's it's uh, quite long, but I do appreciate it. Uh, hi, Mark. Welcome back in the chair. Enjoyed your chat to Smithy last week on the World Games uh, that you're at in the US. Tonight, TV1 Sports News had the White Ferns highlighted as leading news, a team who didn't have to qualify for the Com, Com Games and failed at the World Cup. Surely there are many athletes competing who have gold medal aspirations who should be profiled. Woke journalism. Finally, how can James Preston not be at Com Games, let alone recent world champs, ran third fastest 800 for a Kiwi male in 2022, yet New Zealand seen lesser athletes? 12 divers, three hammer throwers. James Preston may be the unluckiest athlete. What do you think? 
look, I'm going to say this. I don't think the women's cricket team, I don't think cricket should be at the Commonwealth Games, full stop. Um, I think this is an opportunity to give other sports profile. I think the women's cricket team's had enough already this year and they were um, a miserable disappointment. I'd rather see a story on the women's cycling team, the women's swimmers, um, gymnasts, those sports that don't get a lot of opportunity other than the Commonwealth Games once every four years. I think the women's cricket team, I think as athletes, they're club athletes at best. I don't think they are even in the same discussion when you look at what the female swimmers get up to, what the female runners have to endure. The qualifying standards for athletics are absolutely brutal. Brutal. The highest standard. Harder than any Olympic standards I've seen in the past. You've got young uh, Nikisha, Eddie, um, Eddie Osei, uh, Nikisha, who's just broken the New Zealand 100 metre record. Not going. Fastest man in the history of New Zealand not going to the Commonwealth Games, and yet we've got a whole lot of women cricketers going. It, it just makes no sense to me. T20. Uh, and look, it's it's been other sports in the past that I think have had a bit of a free ride to the Commonwealth Games. And I think that's probably what at times takes the shine off them a little bit. That you don't have your best athletes. Uh, look, I feel sorry for James Preston. Outstanding prospect. Hopefully he hangs in there. And he you know, can sort of start cracking that 146, get down the 145s, 144s, Peter Snell's record for 800 still stands. Possibly get himself to Paris or certainly get himself to somewhere in Victoria in four years from now. Um, another text has come in. Hey, Mark, Las Vegas wasn't built on winners, but the box are a decent bet to beat the All Blacks next weekend. They'll beat us in both tests. Of course they will. You know, I mean, Geordie Barrett, why the hell's that guy starting at fullback, mate? Will Jordan should be your fullback. Full stop, mate. You know, Scott Barrett, another one, mate. Oh, I'm sorry, I think he's a myth. And as you front row, I mean, honestly, to Angavasi. And then, what's his name from the Chiefs that used to play for the Blues in the front row? Angus Tarval. Oh, Angus Tarval. Seriously, are you kidding me? It's time for a clean-out. Guys like Kurt Eklund should come in at hooker. Need to get a little bit of a baby blacks look about this side. Bring some energy in. But that'll only come with a change of coach as well. Um, what else have we got here? Uh, hi, Mark. Great to have the voice of sense and truth back on SENZ. Uh, we were right about Ireland winning the series um, and the $5.50 for the win was very generous from the TAB. Yeah, I hope the TAB lost lots of money on that. I don't really, but you know what I mean. Were Ireland only $5. Were they only paying $5.50 for the win, were they? Might have been like the series when I'm not too sure off the top of my head. Boy, I wonder what they based that on. I knew after the first test, a lot of people thought, I oh, know, this could be one-way traffic. I, I never did. I, I watched that first test. I was, in, um, 
was in California. I'd just arrived actually in um, Santa Cruz and I tells the time difference. It wasn't too bad to actually watch it at 12 o'clock at night. And we won the game, but I just saw how much Ireland were camped on our line, how much work we had to do to stop from scoring them. And I just thought, you know what? We won't get back up next week. I just look at guys like Rico Awani, Akira Awani. I just, I don't know. There's a smirk about them, which I just don't like. You know, some of the, particularly from Rico Awani too, last year when we were beaten by the French, you know, on Instagram, he puts out an Instagram image of him. I think he scored a couple of tries, didn't he? And he had his boots on fire, and that was the Instagram post that he put out. It's like, mate, we just lost a test. What part of this don't you get? This is not about you. And I think that's half the problem. It's all about them. Again, driven by the Players Association. 29 minutes away from 11. Jump on the phone. 0800 150 Keep the text coming. 24 minutes away from 11. Telephone numbers 0800 150 We're with you through to 11 o'clock. Taking your th- uh, text as well on 8833. Uh, ben, I was just interested too because... Uh, we're going to play some audio from Roosters coach Trent Robertson very shortly, but I would imagine that these players that are involved in Manly who are sort of hiding behind the Bible and their religious beliefs for their homophobia, and that's all it is, is homophobia. Um, it's bordering on hate, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I think they'd probably all be big supporters of Colin Kaepernick, who was the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers who refused to stand for the national anthem and took a knee and said, no, no, I don't think that um, what's happening in America is good good enough in regards to African-Americans, the way they're treated by the police and the way they're being marginalised, uh, you know, the ongoing issue that's been part of American history for a long time. I guarantee all the players more than happy to endorse him. You know, love Colin Kaepernick. Basically, he's standing up for us because we're of coloured skin as well. And yet, on the other hand, can't see the irony in the fact that they happy though to marginalise another group of society. Well, the interesting thing with Colin Kaepernick is when he first did it, lots of the public perception of it was negative, and then it wasn't until the you know the, the real big Black Lives Matter movement after uh, when the policeman killed the guy, I think it was in Minnesota, when yeah. people were actually like, "Oh, Colin Kaepernick was actually right." Mm. All, the, all these years, everyone has been criticising him, mm. hating him, because he stood up for what he believed in, and it was truly incredible and incredibly brave of well, him as well. Well, he will end up actually, as big as, say, you go back and you look at American quarterbacks that have been over the years, um, and I'm just, um, oh, God, it was the famous San Francisco quarterback in the 1980s there. Um, Montana. Yeah. Joe Montana. So Joe Montana, sorry, I'm just having a mental block. So you look at Joe Montana, right, goes down in history. But Colin Kaepernick will actually go down in history for greater reasons. He will actually, he made a difference to the betterment of mankind. Now, see, I, I, I was at the World Games in Alabama, right, in Birmingham. Now, Birmingham, it's funny because Birmingham, the civil rights movement, started there. There's a church on the 16th and 6th Street called the Southern Baptist Church. 1963, in Birmingham, Alabama, the most segregated city in the United States. No black people were firemen teachers, bank clerks, basically didn't really have any of the mainstream jobs. They had segregated drinking fountains, segregated toilets, public facilities, and a guy by the name of Shuttlesworth, and it's someone you might know by the name of um, of um, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, got together and said, no, enough is enough. 
we can't continue to tolerate this. So they started these peace marches in March of 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama. In fact, Martin Luther King's famous speech, I Had a Dream, um, which became famous in a Washington march in July of that year, was actually first uttered in this church in Birmingham. And of course, they said, no, we're not going to take this anymore. And of course, the police and the white supremacist sort of police and public didn't take kindly to these peace marches. And you should see the photos and the images of the dogs and the water hoses and everything. But business started to suffer and businesses said, hey, look, we do have to actually negotiate here. We actually do need to make some change. We're all suffering. And so they started to get some change. They got rid of a lot of the segregation and started to have more integration. That led to peace marches across America, led by Martin Luther King. And that famous speech on Washington where he said, I had a dream. And But really what changed it was at that church, uh, two months later after that speech by Martin Luther King in Washington, a group of white supremacists planted a bomb outside the church on 16th and 6th, and it killed four um, young teenage black girls. I think one was 11, the others were 13 and 14, which you just don't do. You just do not kill kids. You do not kill innocent kids, man, at church. And of course, that put the spotlight and focus on the whole issue in America. The Americans suddenly set up and said, hey, yeah, enough is enough, man. This can't go on. Um, and that's been part of the fight. Now, 49 years later, we've got a group of people who have been marginalised for a long time. Admittedly, you know, a lot has changed. And most people accept uh, people with different sexual orientation to their own but there is still a level of bigotry. And so here's Rugby League coming out saying, hey, look, we're a sport who just welcomes everybody. We don't care what race, we don't care what socioeconomic background, we don't care what your sexual preference is. We just treat everybody as people. We want you to come and love our game. And that's really what they're trying to say. But yet you've got a group of players who hide behind the Bible, who have learned nothing from their own history and the battles they've actually had to have, and say, no, 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 we don't agree with it, sorry. We don't back that. More than happy, though, if they get invited and asked, we'll play in the Indigenous round. Any different the Indigenous round? I don't think so. Women's round? No. Anyway, let's hear from Trent Robertson, the Roosters coach. Definitely not. feel like it's... Um, yeah, I feel like it's unfortunate in 2022 we're... Um, we're, we're sort of still having this conversation. I think it's great what the owners of Manly have decided to do, and you know it's unfortunate that it's panned out this way because um, everyone's equal, no matter what uh, race, gender, sexual preference. Then everyone's equal. Let let people make their choice, and let's not discriminate against those. And we're still doing that, and that's why it's unfortunate. You know, we've we've got gotcha for life uh, that both teams have have had. Um, on their sponsors have given up their space for Gotcha for Life. And we're really looking forward to representing and, and, and talking about even just male suicide and, and, and the high rates that it is. Um, um, but uh, in the sort of the youth gay community, it's five times the level of, of what um, normal society is. And that's because they don't feel included. And for us in 2022 to, to not be inclusive and not say it's okay to be who you are is, is unacceptable. And, um, and, you know, we meet, need to move towards a better, uh, a better place. And, and I'm hoping that Rugby League, I want to say that we are inclusive. 
we do accept you for who you are and, 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 uh, and we care about you and we need to move forward in that way. And ironically, isn't it ironic though that the people that are preaching the hate, it's still a church. Isn't religion the one place where it's love thy neighbour, be tolerant? I can't imagine this guy called Jesus Christ uh, walking around, um, I was going to say in the desert, but that's not fair, in, you know, on hot summer days, on scorched earth and um, in sort of places like Jerusalem and stuff, or Palestine, Israel, whatever you want to call it these days, um, turning his nose up at people based on their sexual preference. This man apparently loved all. Isn't that solely the message in religion? All I see these days is a lot of hate. Oh, and as I think it was the comedian George Carlin said, they're terrible with money. They always want money, don't they, the church? Terrible with money. I just thought I'd throw that one in there. 16, well, they're always wanting money, aren't they? You know, but it's just... Yeah. Hey, text that's coming too. Stoke that Fletcher Newell is in the squad. Bring Tamati Williams in uh, into, into your right. Get rid of the old props. Scott Barrett is our best lock. I really like Dixon from the Highlanders. Get rid of Kane, but we really miss Blackadder. Yeah, look, Ethan Blackadder is a big miss. I would like to see um, Tom Robertson from the Blues be given a, perhaps an opportunity. I think he offers something. Um, Scott Barrett, yeah, if you're going to play him, you play him at lock. You don't play him at six. He's still got a bit to prove for me, Barrett, consistently. In fact, all the Barrett boys have got something to prove to me consistently. I think they lack consistency, all three of them. I think Bowden Barrett gets two bigger raps. Oh, he leads the team around. No, he doesn't. He doesn't follow a game plan. Oh, in all seriousness, I would like to see our third string 10 be given an opportunity. Who's our third string 10? At the moment, it's Stephen Perifetta. Absolutely. I'd like Perifetta to get a crack. He just looks the most, I don't know, he, he just looks, I think he knows how to play the percentages at times. We haven't seen him yet, have we, at an all-black level in a quality test? He's the one player that hasn't made his debut. Uh, just on the uh, uh, thing, I, I talked earlier a little bit about the PR that goes around appointing the likes of... Um, um, Ryan and talk in the future about possibly bringing in Leon McDonald. To me, it's just a big PR move, no different than bringing in Roger Tuivasa-Shek, marketing ploy at best, not good enough to be an all-black. I'd like to actually see Roger Tuivasa-Shek actually play a little bit more on the wing, to be perfectly honest. I don't think he's got the speed that he once had. Boy, he's got a wonderful step on him. And you've got players running inside and outside of him. I think he might be a bit more dynamic. The problem at second 5'8", he doesn't really get a really good opportunity. I mean, it's a, it's closer to probably a rugby league type position where it's a little bit more straight running. But I just don't... I think the room shut down so quickly, I just don't think he's given that opportunity to really show his incredible step. One of the best steps in all of all of sort of Rugby, rugby league, uh, American football type sports. Remarkable sidestep. 13 and a half minutes away from 11. You are listening to SENZ. Yeah, Commonwealth Games kick off uh, next week. So, or this week, hopefully there's some positives. Uh, keep an eye on Hayden Wild and the triathlon. I think he'll go very, very close. 
Alex Yee of Great Britain or England, I think he represents England officially at the Commonwealth Games, will be the real big challenger on the men's side. A high jump final. I'm going to struggle to watch it, to be honest. I'm not there this year as a commentator. I um, was the commentator at the last Commonwealth Games in track and field, uh, but very much an English-based production out of the UK, and they've taken a lot of English commentators. And so, yeah, it's always hard when you're so heavily involved and you're so close to it, and then suddenly you're not there, and you oh, I don't know, a little bit of envy, I guess, from your other commentators that have got gigs. Um, I think it's just human nature, isn't it? High jump final is always a classic. Always so much drama in the high jump. Watch the high jump, man. When it gets down to it, that thing is just dramatic. Some events will carry more weight than others. Uh, no doubt about it. Some medals just simply mean more. Uh, there's just more depth. I will pick up a few medals in swimming, I think. Um, Lewis Clearbert, I think, will go close to winning gold in the 400 IM. Might pick up a medal elsewhere. Australians will dominate the pool. Brits will um, contribute. Canada are always fairly strong in the pool as well. But, you know, things like sevens and stuff will step up. But to me, it should be about those sports that don't get a lot of coverage outside of the Commonwealth Games. So I agree with the earlier texter regarding the women's cricket team. I, I just can't understand why they're there. I'm just not even sure why it's part of the program. I think, what, they've got two pools of three, is it? Or four? And then you play three games and then it's straight into a basically a medal round, semi-finals and medals. T20 form of it. Does it really need to be at the Commonwealth Games? Really? It's got its own pinnacle event, doesn't it? I'd rather just showcase all the other women's sports. And it, it does annoy me. I mean, triathlon's the same. I mean, you don't have to be the best athletes in the world to go down the triathlon you just got to be the best in the country I mean our women that are going to the, the Commonwealth Games in triathlon uh, I don't consider them to be world class I think they're good but they're not world class yet I look at the standards in track and field and swimming, brutal and so it's a little uneven some athletes will go to the Commonwealth Games and will forever have that experience others who are probably more deserving will never go because of the international depth and the standards that have been put upon them but when that kicks off, it'll dominate everything over the next week. It's always a bit of a slow burn, and then it kicks off, and it's all and everything. But I don't think we should place... I'm not sure that a Halberg winner should come out of the Commonwealth Games, to be honest. It's not the World Champs. It's not the Olympic Games. Um, and I think there are events outside of this that are bigger pinnacle events, which do carry a lot more weight but they perhaps don't carry the fanfare. Anything you want to say, Ben? We're pretty much done and dusted, mate. Been good? No, it's been good having you back. What I've enjoyed hearing your views. You know, when you <laughs> when you were over in the US, I was texting you going, I can't wait to get you back oh, on. Yeah. And I was try, trying to, you know, poke the bear a little bit before we came on air, but it's uh, it's, it's been good to have you back on and it's been enjoyable. Great to see lots of people calling in and having their own views on you know, the All Blacks and with regards to the Manly Seagulls, yeah. among other things. And Well, I think there's a few more chapters to be written in a lot of those subjects, mate. I think the All Blacks will be looking forward to the Commonwealth Games kicking off because it'll take a little bit of the media attention away from them, but not for long because I think when they play in South Africa, you've really only got one, one day left of the Games, maybe two, and then suddenly, um, yeah, focus is back on them, so... Yeah, a little bit lucky that there's going to be some distractions. The media are going to be elsewhere. 
all right. Um, I think that's us, is it? If you are travelling around the country, do take care. It's been an absolute privilege and a pleasure. Be kind. <laughs> Said that cynically.